Welcome to the Sunday message from Hollyview Church in Boring, Oregon. We gather every Sunday morning as a worshiping community of Jesus followers on mission to see God glorified in our lives, our cities, and around the world. At Hollyview, the Bible serves as our foundation and guide for both life and ministry. It tells the story of God and the story of us. We believe the better we know the themes and flow of the biblical story, the better we will be able to find our little place in God's grand storyline. Thank you for joining us. And now here's this week's message from Hollyview Church. We're in Philippians chapter 1, verses 19 through 30, and Pastor Joel is bringing the message, Finding Joy in the Gospel. We're in a series in Philippians. Uh, I encourage you to go back because it's one letter, uh, and so really the intention is not to be chunked up. And if anyone chunked up your letters and just did a little bit, that would be a little bit like, hey, you're missing the point. So uh, it takes about 10 minutes to read the book of Philippians, not very long. So uh, maybe even this week, if you haven't done so, maybe continually refreshing your mind on the the letter to the the Philippians. This morning, we'll just be uh, in the last part of the first chapter. We'll look at verse 18, the second part of verse 18, and we'll go back and, and stitch them together a little bit till the end of the chapter. Uh, So if you wouldn't mind, it would stand as we read God's Word. I'll read from Philippians 1, verse 18b uh, till 30. Paul says this, Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed but that with full courage now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Verse 27, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation, and that from God. For it has been granted to you for the sake of Christ that you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. May God add his blessing through reading of his word. You can go ahead and have a seat. You can even feel it in the words of Paul in this letter. There, there's a, a tension that he is living with, a tension that I think we all feel as well if we're, we're honest. There's this tension of the world and the way we think it should be and the world that actually is. Uh, we have dreams of a world where, where uh, families are always together. We have dreams of the world where relationships are built on like celebration and love and honesty and re- respect. Uh, 
a world where everything seems to go the way it should go and everyone is honored and uh, valued for who they are. And yet, if you're honest, you've lived in the world this last week and it's a world of pain and abuse and grief and suffering and we're all longing for a better world. We live in a world of broken people and broken relationships. We live with hurt people who are hurting people. We're stuck between these two worlds, the the world that the Bible describes as the kingdom of God and how everything is as it should be, reconciled and redeemed, and yet we live in this earthly world that's broken. The, The now and the not yet of the kingdom of God. Have any of you ever been to a foreign country and felt the tension of what, it, what it's like to be, uh, say, an American on foreign soil. Uh, we, I, we did all the time when we were missionaries in Slovenia. Uh, the first place we lived is in Morska Sobota. Uh, I'm saying that 10 times fast. Morska Sobota is right on the border of Hungary and Austria. It's really close to up there. It was like maybe five minutes, 10 minutes to the Austrian border. So we would often cross over to Austria. Uh, and over there, we would either grab coffee, because it was just a little bit different country, or we'd go to the grocery store and get food that you couldn't get in Slovenia. Uh, and I specifically remember Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Uh, so <laughs> you could get Cinnamon Toast Crunch at the, um, the Interspar in just across the border. And, and the other good thing about that is when we went across the border, if you kept your receipt, you could get your uh, tax money back because you lived in Slovenia. So we'd often stop at that border. These Americans in the middle of nowhere stopping at the border of Austria. That's when uh, the European Union was, was not officially in, so you had to go across the borders all the time. And I did not like Austrian border guards. Any of you like Austrian border guards? <laughs> you can imagine what they were, you can kind of imagine what they were, were like. We would pull up and we just tried to like, there's a way you act in Europe and it's like, it's not niceties and like, how's your day going? It's like, Here's our passports, here's whatever. Well, one time we gave them a, a receipt for something, but we didn't have the goods with us, and they went through and did the wrong process or something. And so they held our passports, and this was not uncommon, and said, you owe us money. And we were like, excuse me? Like, you owe us money. They called it some fee, but it wasn't a fee. It was, they had these Americans in the middle of nowhere, and they were like, we're going to get some money from these guys. So we were kind of logically like, okay, tell us what, so what is this fee that we're supposed to, to pay? And they, were, they couldn't really I- explain it. And so we're like, come on, this isn't right. You know this isn't right. You're just trying to get a bribe from us. You're going to pocket the money and leave. Like, you're taking advantage of us. And these Austrian guards, you know, they didn't care. <laughs> uh, they just kept playing on their... Computer, they were actually playing solitaire. So they were telling, trying to like rational reason with them. Come on, let's let's be, let's think through this. Like this isn't right. You're doing this. This isn't right. For an hour, we're like trying to get it, and we're like, come on, give us our passports back. And the and these Austrian guards would not give us our passports back until we paid the fee, the bribe, the the money. And we were getting more and more upset. This is unjust. This is not right. We're getting taken advantage of. We are over there as missionaries to share the good news of Jesus, and you are taking advantage of us. Give us our passports back. Give us them back now. Now, Amy's in the nursery this morning, so I don't want to throw her under the bus when she's not here. But 
Amy was like, this sense of justice was just not there. And so she's getting worked up. Give us our passports back. She even whispers to me, like, should I jump the thing and get them? Can you see little Amy do it? I should have been like, yeah, go for it. Well, they had guns, so we decided not to do that. Uh, we said, give us our passports back. So one of the guards looked, put his head up, and he finally said, this is not America. And that's it. And we're like, it's not. It was not America. It was, to me, a land I felt of uh, corruption and abuse and bribes. You know where I wanted to be at that moment? Yeah, I, I wanted to be in America, the land where there's no abuse or corruption. <laughs> now, I wanted, I wanted to be in a land where people wouldn't take advantage of other people. I, I, was longing, it wasn't for, was, I was longing for home, but I wouldn't say maybe America. Is that I'm longing for this better kingdom where I know people would be honored and valued and they wouldn't abuse somebody. That's where I was longing to be. And so after an hour, we finally paid. That's another long story. We finally paid this money got our passports back so that we could go back to Slovenia so we could be missionaries, really citizens of a better kingdom, citizens of the kingdom of, of God. Well, uh, we lived with the pain and abuse of Austrian guards for seven years while we were missionaries over there in Slovenia, but we had a higher calling. We were there as missionaries, and so every time... Uh, we went across those borders, we experienced a little bit of the tension of this is not our home and we're experiencing this, but we have, a, we have this mission or this calling that God has called us to. Now, you don't have to go over to Austria or live in Slovenia to experience that thing. In fact, this week, I'm sure there's been times where this world has slapped you in the face and says, this is not the kingdom of God. Uh, when you experience the, the brokenness, the, the evil, sin, cancer, rebellion, wars, death. It's like every time the world screams at you, this is not the kingdom of God. And we, we feel that. There's this, this tension. We long for this better kingdom. It would, it would be so much better if we could just leave all this behind us and, and go to a place where the Lord ruled and reigned and everything was as it should, where the pain and sin of this world was put away with. But as long as we're on this earth, we're citizens of the kingdom of God and we have a mission. We're representatives of a different Kingdom. Then, so each person who uh, is a follower of Jesus is an ambassador of the kingdom of God in a fallen and broken world. You serve as an ambassador. So of course you're going to have this tension. So you might be thinking, well, how do I live as a citizen of the kingdom of God right here in America? How, how do you deal with greedy, mean, cruel people that selfishly do whatever they want at the expense of others? How, how do you live as a a citizen of the kingdom of God here on earth. Well, this brings us to our text this morning, as Paul is going to help us navigate this tension that you might feel uh, with the help of the gospel, with the help of reminding us of the gospel. 
But before we get there, the term gospel, we use it all the time. If you grew up in church, you've heard the term gospel on everything. And that term actually might be a little fuzzy for some people. So I just want to spend a few moments on what is the gospel. What is the gospel? Well, you might know it's from the Greek word meaning good news. So many of you are probably like, yep, I, I know that. Let me ask you just good news of what? If you had five minutes to share the gospel with somebody, what, what would you say is, is the gospel? And whatever that is, I just want you to hold that for a minute. And I want you to compare it to how Jesus understood what the gospel is. Let's look at Jesus' definition of the gospel. Uh, in Matthew 4, he begins his ministry after he's uh, baptized and goes through the, the wilderness. In Matthew 4, in verse 17, it says, From that time Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And a little bit while later, it starts this whole section that, he's, uh, that Matthew um, puts together. Uh, and it says in verse 23, And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom. So according to Jesus, if he said, what's the gospel? I think Jesus would say it has something to do with the kingdom. And in fact, if you wanted to know the main thing that Jesus taught about, and now there's lots of ways you could measure it or lenses you could do, but if you were going to just randomly go out to Jesus on the hillside and hear him teach, what is the one thing for sure you would hear him teach on? And you might think it's love or holiness or wrath or righteousness, and I'm sure you would hear all those things as well, but central to all of his messages would be this idea of kingdom, a kingdom. In fact, if you read through the gospel according to Matthew, 55 times you would hear the word kingdom. So in 28 chapters, that's almost two times every chapter. It's all through the whole book, the kingdom. And if Jesus comes and proclaims, as, as Matthew summarizes it, he's proclaiming the gospel, the good news of a kingdom. It's central. A kingdom. Now, we don't live in a kingdom, so let me just remind you of what it takes to have a kingdom. And it's three simple things, at least. Three simple things to live in a kingdom. The first thing you need is a king. If you don't have a king, you have no kingdom. You need a king, someone that can rule and reign over two other things, citizens or people in the kingdom, as well as a territory or a land. A king, and citizens, and territory. A kingdom. So when Jesus says he came to share the gospel, the good news, he said it was of a kingdom. He gives this image of a kingdom. Now, I picture it like a, um, old medieval cities. We lived in Europe. So when I think of kingdom, I can picture these walled uh, cities with guard towers and uh, all, all of these things, little houses inside these walled cities. Now, if, if we're talking about the kingdom of God, and if you could just imagine it to be like one of those cities, imagine what it would, would be like to live in a kingdom where Jesus is the king and he sovereignly rules and reigns over everything that happens in that city. What, what kind of city and kingdom would that be like? I can guarantee you there would not be Austrian guards at the gate who bribe and selfishly get something for their own. There would be no hunger in that kingdom. There'd be no abuse. You wouldn't have to lock your door at night. 
The, the darkness wouldn't even be scary. You wouldn't have to be afraid that you go to a party and know, do I fit in here or not? Or what am I supposed to bring? Or am I dressed okay? Or you wouldn't have to fear or worry about any of that because there would be these great celebrations of wonderful food, way better food than any food cart you've ever been to. The, the beauty, the art, the, the sky, the nature, everything as it should be. Like not veiled with the cloud of sin, not seen through blurry eyes that have been crying and weary. The world as it should be, where you are valued and known. That's a, that's a kingdom I think all of us long for. But if we were honest, as much as we'd want to live there, the moment that you entered that city, you would have ruined it. Because of your sin, and selfishness, and disobedience, and lying, and lust. Only righteous people, only holy people can be in this, inside this kingdom. Even the gates that are set up on the kingdom of God are, would be called the gates of righteousness, so that no one could enter unless they were righteous. So this is the story of the Bible. The righteous king, then, knowing that no one can come, gets off his throne, leaves the kingdom, and goes out to the broken world where he lives perfectly righteous and loving and kind. Everything the kingdom of God embodies, he is as he goes to this broken and dying world and takes on our sin and shame and nails him to the cross and is resurrected on the third day. And then he returns to his kingdom and he gets to the gates of righteousness and he announces, open the gates. Look in Psalm 118 and verse 19. Psalm 118 and verse 19. It says, open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous ones shall enter through it. King gets to the gate. He's lived a perfectly righteous life, taken on all of our sin and shame on himself, gets to the gates and says, open them up. The, the one king for the many. And then he invites all the other one in, come to my kingdom. As you enter through this gate called righteousness, you will be declared righteous, not based on what you have done, but on what the king has done who has been declared righteous, his righteousness now imputed to you or given over to you so that you can enter to the kingdom as well as citizens of the kingdom of God, not by your doing, simply as a gift from the one true king, the king who went before you. So this gate of this kingdom, we could call salvation. It's the way into the kingdom, and there's only one way, there's only one door, but, but the gospel, the kingdom, it doesn't stop there. The, the gospel is good news of salvation, that you can enter the kingdom. There's this great exchange that, that happens, but there's still a whole kingdom to explore. There's still a king to get to know. There's still citizens of that kingdom that you can encourage and love. And, and as our great king invites us into his kingdom, it, it, 
It's not to just us to go somewhere else. He actually sends us back out to that same broken world as citizens, as ambassadors of the kingdom of God to share the good news of the kingdom. That the king has come. The kingdom of God is at hand to those walking in darkness and brokenness. And so as He sends us as citizens of the kingdom back into this broken world, we live in this tension as kingdom citizens on worldly soil. Citizens of another kingdom on mission to redeem and call people out of this world, the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. It's like Americans on Austrian soil. Caught between two worlds. Paul knows this tension as he's sitting in jail. A citizen of the kingdom of God sitting in jail, being accused and put down by others. So he writes to us as believers. And he wants to do a couple things so that we'll understand the gospel, this good news of the kingdom as we live in this tension. First, we'll see Paul's example to us as a kingdom citizen. There are a lot of the stuff will be I, I, I. And then it switches as he wants to clarify what our calling is as kingdom citizens. And so the second part of it changes from I and my example to you. This is what you need to do. And they're all in the plural. So he's talking about this community of Jesus followers who are sent on a mission to this dark world as kingdom citizens, as ambassadors for Jesus. So let's look at first at Paul's example. Uh, let's read again in Philippians 1, uh, 18 and just through 26. Paul says, yes, and I will rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. And it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Uh, he starts with, uh, yes, and I will rejoice. And it's actually right in the middle of a, a thought, uh, the thought that we had picked up last week. So go back and listen to last week's message if you want to put them both together. It continues on, just like this letter from uh, verse 12 to verse 18. Uh, and let's just go back and look at verse 18 really quick. Uh, he gets to the end of this. He's sitting in prison and others are saying bad things about him. And he, he summarizes, what then? Only that in every way, in every circumstance that he's in, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that, I rejoice. He says, no matter what my circumstances, I rejoice. I have a basis for why I have joy in all circumstances because I, I know the meaning behind it. I have a mission that God has given me so I can rejoice in all circumstances. But then it, then it changes, if you'll notice. He says, and yes, and I will rejoice. I rejoice now, even in the circumstances that I have, and I will rejoice in the future. 
future tense. It's the now and not yet that he's living in the kingdom of God. And, and Paul knows this because he knows the teachings of Jesus. I'm sure he's reflecting back on the Sermon on the Mount and uh, that teaching of it proclaims the gospel of the kingdom. Now look how the now and not yet of this kingdom is that even Paul is, is talking about. In Matthew 5 and verse 2, Jesus starts the Sermon on the Mount and he opened his mouth and taught them the gospel of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted in the future. That's a, a future passive tense. So it's going to happen to me in the, in the future. They're going to be comforted in the future. Blessed are the meek, for they shall, future, inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied in the future. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall, once again in the future, receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall... See God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall once again in the future be called sons of God. And then 10, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The, the teaching is sandwiched between the kingdom of heaven is yours, and you're going to experience mourning and meekness and hungering for righteousness and justice and all these things. And one day when the, when the kingdom of God fully comes and, and invades our world, the new heavens and the new earth will finally, will finally be comforted and will inherit the earth. We shall be satisfied. All those things we will be. But today we have reason to rejoice because ours is the kingdom of God. It, today, yours is the kingdom of God. You're a citizen of the kingdom of God if you're a follower of the king, but your feet are still on this broken world. So Paul wants to go hang in there. We live as kingdom citizens in a very hostile world, but you serve, you're here because you serve as an ambassador. It's like everywhere Paul went, and Jesus before him. Everywhere that they went, the kingdom of God was at hand. It was almost like the ground that they were walking, this bubble of the kingdom of God was, was there, redeeming things in that space. Paul even talks about it like that. In 2 Corinthians 5, in verse 20, Paul says, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's the gospel. That's the kingdom right there. This great exchange of our sin to Jesus, his righteousness on us, the open gates, the kingdom citizens, and now go as ambassadors. Paul, who was beaten, shipwrecked, in prison, accused, but confident, that King Jesus was going to bring about his kingdom, that one day the pain and suffering would be done. But he understands, in the meantime, while I'm still here, I serve as an ambassador of a different kingdom to the guards who might have been Austrian, right there, to the guards that he was chained to, to the Jews, to everyone around him, that the kingdom of God was at hand. They could just see him and see something different. 
But Paul just doesn't want to like, hey, see my example, and now you're good, have some confidence. He's actually going to call us in and call you in as well. If you're, if you're a, a citizen of the kingdom of God, it's going to move you and shape you and drive you to certain things. And he wants the, the gospel, this kingdom message, to allow you to shape you, to call you to things. Look in verse 27. He says, only let your manner of life, that's all of you, all of your, you alls, your alls, y'alls, only let y'alls manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. Let me just end with four things that we're called to do as we live as kingdom citizens. Here's the first one. We're to have one spirit, one spirit. The gospel, this kingdom should drive us to unity. That we sit here and we celebrate and we mourn all at the same time. That there's a safe place that you know somebody uh, is hand in hand with you going through it. You know, even Jesus says, they're going to know they're my disciples by your love. And we sometimes we miss out the other part, but it's by your love for one another. It's how the church relates that this kingdom of God is displayed for the world and they look around and they go, something different about that. Because the kingdom of God invades where his people are. One spirit that we would be a special community uh, that drives us to unity together. It doesn't matter where you come from or your history or your ethnicity or your age or your income. It, the only thing that binds us, we're going to see it that next week as well as Dan's going to preach this next part. There's something that binds us together in Christ. One spirit, one mind. Here's the second point, one mind. The gospel drives us to right thinking. It, there's this whole idea of Paul and the renewing of our minds that if you're in the kingdom of the world, you think one way, but if you're in the kingdom of God as a citizen of that kingdom, your, your mind's going to be renewed and changed. You're going to start thinking differently, which you get from God's word, but also in community, one mind in community, which means that it's not one mind of a pastor or a ministry leader or a teacher. It's the one mind of the body of Christ, which means you have something to give and a perspective and an understanding that might benefit the church and probably does. If we were all humble enough to go, it's not just what I think that matters. <laughs> but as we explore and go after the mind of Christ, that as a body, we would be humble to listen and give, and also share as well what you know. The gospel drives us to right thinking. Here's the third one. One spirit, one mind. The third one we see is striving side by side. The gospel drives us to community. And on our individualistic, independent, Western culture, uh, this might rub against some things. Striving side by side as the gospel drives us to community. The need for needing each other. The need for going, you know, I'm not doing well today. I'm, I'm in a valley. And we're like, oh. Sometimes that's easy. And when we're doing fine, we're like, well, I don't really need anybody. And that's the time we're like, no, that's, you're, you're strong. You need to be there to help someone who doesn't have the strength to 
to stand up. So to find, if you're, if you're strong this morning, you're like, yeah, I don't really need anybody. Well, then somebody needs you. So you need to be there because they're, otherwise they're just going to fall over. You need to striving side by side, leaning on each other, helping each other in hard times, supporting each other when you're strong and when you're weak to ask for help from other people, striving side by side. We're like an army or a community that are locking arms together. We're all kingdom citizens. One spirit, one mind, striving side by side, and finally, not frightened. The gospel drives us to courage, not frightened. There is a, a boldness and excitement to bring the kingdom of God to the world. We, we know we have these promises of what's going to be in the future so, so that we, we shouldn't shrink back from that. That God has given us as ambassadors for reconciliation to the world that we can go out. We have the message of hope. So Paul says, even in all this, Paul says, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. To live is Christ. I'm, I have a mission. I, I serve as an ambassador of the great high king. And I bring the kingdom of God in every place that I go. I have a mission. But to die is gain, knowing that one day I will enter that great kingdom of God and everything will be as it should. I've got a mission and a hope. Somebody told me this week as they were reading through it, it's like, it's like a win-win. It's a win-win. If we stay here, we get to be ambassadors for the great king, hopefully rescue people out of darkness, give them hope for the future. You're given a great mission. But if you die, you get to be with Jesus and part of that kingdom and every, all the tears are going to be wiped away. Things will be as they should be. That, that's great. There's some weary days you're like, Lord, just take me now. But I don't know what I want to do because if I stay here, it's for the mission that he has, which is no higher calling. You've been given a hope and a mission. A hope and a mission. Now, you might be here this morning, though, and you need a little bit more hope because you might just be weary. And you might just wonder, is it ever going to be Okay. And Paul wants you to have the hope that one day the kingdom of God that'll reconcile the world, that'll redeem humanity and, and creation, that one day the kingdom of God will be fully realized in the new heavens and the new earth. You've got hope. Just hang in there. And there's others of you this morning that, that need to be reminded that there's a mission. You're here for a purpose. Wherever that is, that God is sending you. So let me ask how you're doing as a, a gospel citizen, an ambassador to the world of the kingdom of God. You think of the, the places you entered into this week, uh, your own home. Did you bring unity there or did you fight? What about the workplace? What about the ch church or a school? Did you enter in with this humble inquisitive going, I want to know the mind of Christ? I'm looking for other people to speak into me in that. Or, or was it just, I got all the answers, uh, this one mind should be my mind. Are you part of the community? Is it driving you to strive side by side? Or, or are you afraid and, and hiding? Are you, are you asking for help? Are you in those relationships? And maybe this morning you just need the courage. You need the courage to go, just share about Jesus this week. We have the hope that this world is longing for. We don't have to be afraid. 
don't have to be mean or cruel or anything like that. We can be lights to this world. We serve as an ambassador for the great high king. What a great calling. As long as we're here, nothing better. But when we leave, it'll be better. Let's pray. Lord, there's, there is this tension of the now and not yet of your kingdom. And Lord, would you help all of us to engage and explore this kingdom of God? And Lord, you, you are clear in your scripture that it's only one way in. It's us through Jesus, through his uh, death and resurrection. If there's somebody outside of the kingdom, not a citizen of the kingdom of God this morning, I, I pray that they would find someone that they would see that great exchange of their sin for your righteousness, that they would repent and serve and follow you as king so that they could become a kingdom of God citizens this morning as well. And Lord, for the rest of us as citizens, would we be a light to this world? Would we explore your kingdom and all the riches and glory there? Would we not just stop at the front gate of salvation, but that we would go further in to explore all the wonders that you have created for us. Because ours is the kingdom of God. And Lord, would we hold on to that hope of the future as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this message from Hollyview Church. We invite you to join us in person for our worship service every Sunday morning at 1030. You can find us on Southeast 257th Avenue, just off of Highway 212, between Boring and Damascus, Oregon. Or find us online at hollyviewchurch.com. Together, we are being shaped by the gospel, rooted in God's word to share God's grace and truth. Again, whether online or in person, thank you for joining us here at Hollyview Church.